Hello, beautiful. Thank you for tuning in to the Colorism Healing Podcast, where our goal is to learn, transform, and resist. What you're about to listen to is the audio version of my weekly live streams on Instagram and Facebook, which you are welcome to join every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central Time. But for now, I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to another weekly live with yours truly, Dr. Sarah Webb of Colorism Healing. I'm really excited today for many reasons. A, it is sunny outside in the Midwest where I am. It's also Mardi Gras, les élèves temps roulé. So I'm from Louisiana for those of you who don't know, so I'm sporting my Mardi Gras bead today. Wish I had some king cake to eat. Today's topic is going to be talking about the phrase, we're all black. And what that really means is that, is it enough just to say we're all black? And why it's sometimes, even though true, still problematic. Um, So before we jump into that, I always like to see who's watching. So be sure to say hello. Let me know where you're tuning in from. Let me know what the weather is like where you are. I know we're in the middle of a polar vortex. So people are, you know, oh, you know, sending thoughts to those who are without power and freezing weather. You know, we have to do something about that. But I am staying in the house per usual. So we see, I see Michelle, I see Armando, I see Teal Blue Birdie. Welcome back. I remember you from another live. I see Nyleen. Welcome, welcome. So some announcements as people are coming in. A, today I'm going to try for the first time going live on three different platforms, y'all. So I might be doing the most. I might be, but I'm going to try it out anyway. So I always go live on Facebook and Instagram, but now I'm going to add TikTok to that. Um, So I'm clicking live on TikTok right now. We'll see if anyone shows up. But the Colorism Healing Writing Contest is still underway. It ends April 30th, as I've said before. It's open to everyone. It's an international contest. So in all ages, right, there are absolutely zero restrictions on who can submit a piece of writing to this contest. As long as you're writing about colorism, what's your perspective on colorism, what are your experiences about colorism, and it could be a poem, it could be an essay, it could be a short story, right? So that's coming through April 30th. And we have two judges, Sienna Morgan and Bobby Simmons, right? And I'm also doing a membership program on Patreon to help fund the contest. So if you want more behind the scenes action, we're doing a web series called Where Are They Now with previous contestants to see what their life has been like since they participated in prior contests. Um, So that's on Patreon, but I do record it and place it on YouTube. Hey, Kina, what's up? How you doing? (laughs) Kina, are you still on Instagram as um, the anti-blackness reader? I always like to shout people out and, you know, get other folks to follow each other because we got a lot of dope people hanging around. Um, yeah, so Jindel Crutch says Mardi Gras beads. Y'all see, I'm, I'm representing this the holiday. It's Fat Tuesday. <laughs> um, hey, Lorraine, how are you? Hi, I am Shanda Rule. Hi, all the folks are here. Yes. 
So I, I noted how every Sunday I post the topic that I'm going to be discussing in my lives for the week. And so I posted about when people say we're all black and what that really means, okay? And y'all know I like interactive lives. So I'm, I'm curious to see what all of you think. Your thoughts, comments, have you heard that phrase? Have you used that phrase? And if so, what, con what was the context behind it, okay? So I'll start by saying that a lot of times in talking about colorism over the years, that has been one of the most common responses that I get when I'm talking about colorism, that a lot of people get when we're talking about colorism, is, well, we're all black, so it shouldn't matter, right? Or people will say, we're all black, so we need to stop dividing ourselves amongst each other. We need to cut out the colorism. We're all black at the end of the day. A lot of times there are even comments regarding, we're all black, so, you know, when the cops come for us, they're gonna get us all because we're all black. Or when the KKK comes knocking at your door, it doesn't matter what your skin tone is, you're gonna be, you know, a black person to them. And in my post on Sunday, I noted that we're all black and so we all experience racism. We definitely all experience racism. But other areas of our life impact the way we experience our blackness, right? So my the way I walk through the world as a black person is going to be shaped or influenced by other aspects of my identity besides my race. So my gender is, means I move through the world differently than someone else who's also black, but a different gender, if that makes sense. My socioeconomic class means that I will move through the world differently than someone else who's in a different socioeconomic class, even if we're the same race. What's up, June? Hey, this hair, outfit, and jewelry are giving me life. Hi. <laughs> you know, it's Mardi Gras, so I'm repping the folks. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest things is that, yes, we're all black, but we don't experience blackness the same way. And obviously I talk about colorism. So I talk a lot about how skin tone and complexion influences the way you move through the world as a black person. So no one's saying you're not black. No one's trying to deny the fact that you're black. No one's trying to tell you you can't call yourself black, right? And we can even get into how black is a label that we choose to put on people, right? Not, not the same as my skin color, which I didn't choose, right? So blackness in a lot of ways is a choice. Um, but the way I look, my natural hair texture, my eye color, the shape of my nose, my skin tone, right? Not a choice. Um, <laughs> Vincent says, yes, ma'am. Also, you preaching today, okay? Um, let me see. I saw some comments coming through on Instagram. Let's see. I want to see what y'all say. I am wonderful. I'm super excited about the writing contest. Lorraine, yay. I can't wait to see what you submit. Um, Naina Viega, it is preferred to be mostly in English, right? Or contribution to the contest, I mean. So these are great questions, um, Nylene Viega. Um, it's preferred to be mostly in English, but I do have people who submitted multilingual poetry in particular. They include... Uh, mostly, primarily Spanish words within the text. I haven't had um, like any other languages other than that, but I do accept um, multilingual writing as well. And 
What's up, y'all? Christine, Christian Alexis says, yes, your black story is going to be different than mine. 100%. Your black story is going to be different than mine. Quote by Christian Alexis on Instagram. I hope I'm saying that right, y'all. The, the folks who've been around a while know I butcher screen names a lot. <laughs> but um, a lot of times I wrote this post on Blavity in 2017. This is where this is coming from, right? I wanted to revisit this idea. We're all black. But a lot of times, a lot of people use that phrase or make that statement as a way to shut down conversations about difference, about intersectionality and about colorism, right? And it's, it's used similarly to the way people use all lives matter. Can I just be frank? Can I be frank about that? Does anyone relate to this? I know a lot of y'all talk about colorism yourselves, but a lot of times people will say we're all black in the same way that some white people say all lives matter. And so why are you talking about colorism when we're all black? Bottom line, that's the question I get asked so many times. Why are you talking about this? We're all black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Tierra Adamani says, agreed. Yeah, so you've probably heard that same phrase or something similar. Yes, I was thinking that. Um, and people have to be honest about the fact that we're all black doesn't mean we won't experience life differently. And so my response is, we can't just expect white feminists to be intersectional. We have to be intersectional too within our own ethnic and racial, racial groups, right? It's not just white folks who have white women who need to realize that racism and sexism go hand in hand, right? Black folks need to realize that racism and sexism go hand in hand. <laughs> For my black men, especially my cishet, Black men, right? We got to acknowledge that racism and sexism go hand in hand, fam. <laughs> so yes, we're all black, but my black men, y'all's experiences are, and it's not about, let me also say this, it's not about who has it worse. I don't even care about that. That's not even the argument I'm trying to make today. Like I can make such arguments, but that's not the point of this discussion today. It's not about who has it worse, but what I am clearly establishing is that we have it different. Right? So maybe you're not ready to talk about levels of oppression, but we can all at least acknowledge for this conversation that we have different versions of oppression. Okay? That's, that's not, I'm not, I'm not debating that. Like other people might. <laughs> but, you know, for me, it is what it is. Um, and so color, colorism, color, just like socioeconomic class, education, sexuality, gender, ability, right? and probably other things I'm leaving, lots of other things, will determine, A, how much I'm buffered or shielded from racism, right? So it's true, you experience racism, but when you're educated and have money, you can more easily navigate a racist system than someone who's disenfranchised, who lacks the education, who doesn't have the financial resources, right? They are more entrapped in the racist system. I've been talking about more than I thought I would. <laughs> I'm going like into areas where I didn't expect to go for today. 
<laughs> Janelle Crutch says, like the women's suffrage movement, not specifically addressing black women. They had to talk about race because it wasn't being addressed in the movement. 100%. The women's suffrage movement. I remember because that, that whole... When Ruth Bader Ginsburg came out in like the 150 year anniversary or something like 100 year anniversary of the, you know, voting rights for women. And people were trying to say like, yeah, that's great. Like white women made progress at that time, but women of color still couldn't vote, right? For decades after that. And so, yes, you know, it's just like a white woman saying we're all women. You know how we look at the Karens crazy when they try to say, well, you should... You should get it, Sarah, because you're a woman too. We're all women and we just need to come together as women. <laughs> and I'm like, but I'm a black woman though. And my, my womanhood is not the same as your womanhood, right? Yes, womanhood, but it looks very different for you, Karen, than it does for Keisha, right? Karen's womanhood is not the same as Keisha's womanhood. You know what I mean? Um, let's see. Vincent says, yes, say it. And... A lot of times black folks get angry and upset when we talk about colorism and they say it's being divisive. So they'll say, we're all black, stop being divisive. We're all black, we need to be united. We're all black, we can't afford to be um, fighting each other, right? I've said it, so many other people have said it who talk about colorism, is that our discussion is not causing the division. It's the colorism that's causing the division. Can you, you understand what I'm saying? Like colorism means that there was already a division. Just because I talk about what's already there doesn't mean I'm creating it by talking about it. And it's the same thing white people say, y'all. Y'all know white people say, well, if you just stop talking about racism. I don't, I don't know why I'm like so humored by this. I apologize. <laughs> but... White folks say, if you just stop talking about racism, maybe it won't be a problem. So my black folks and my other, you know, POCs, if, if your folks are saying you are creating division by bringing up this topic, just know that they have ulterior motives for shutting down the topic. They have reasons to not want to go there. They have motives to not want to fix the problem. Just like white people who want to shut down conversations about racism because they benefit from it, because they are protecting their own privilege. Folks who want to shut down conversations around colorism have bought into that system, knowingly or not, oftentimes knowingly, and or they benefit from it in some way, okay? Um, K-Drama Oma says, yes, and... Jandell Crutch says, stop being divisive is code for leave the oppression in place. I'm going to repeat that. She said, stop being divisive is code for leave the oppression in place, right? Yeah, stop being divisive is also code for don't upset the status quo. I'm comfortable with the way things are. So let's let that be. Um, Teal Blue Birdie says, we do need unity, but we won't get there by shutting people down. See, see, Teal Blue Birdie. I have to read y'all's comments because y'all drop so many gems. So Teal Blue Birdie on Instagram. I know my Facebook folks watching are like, who is Teal Blue Birdie? <laughs> so on Instagram, see, I'm on TikTok and nobody's watching on TikTok. That's okay. I still love y'all. Um, Teal Blue Birdie said, we do need unity, 100%, but we won't get there by shutting people down, right? And so one of the things I 
I said in that post in 2017 and I continue to say now is that if, if your so-called unity requires me to be silent, then it ain't really unity. Okay? It's not really unity. That's just another form of oppression. That's just more repression. It's not unity. That's more of a dictatorship, right? Like only one story gets told. That ain't unity. True unity means we can all bring our stories and perspectives to the table and be heard. Um, says TBABNX, <laughs> they be closet racist and it makes them uncomfortable to confront that. Yeah, yes. Closet racists, closet colorists, and they are uncomfortable confronting it. They're uncomfortable confronting it because they know they've been complicit or they know they benefit from it, right? One or, one or both of the other is the case. Um, and so if we are to actually have unity, and again, you know, I have quotes on my Instagram and Facebook if you want to go back and look at some of the specific wording I use. But if we actually want to have unity amongst ourselves um, as black people and as black and brown people more broadly, we have to be able to acknowledge our differences. And so I want to read this quote by, actually I'm going to go get it, off the printer. This quote by Audre Lorde that I have, again, written on Instagram and Facebook. But Audre Lorde says, she says community, but we can replace that with unity as well, right? Community must not mean a shedding of our differences, nor the pathetic pretense that these differences do not exist, right? So maybe y'all don't want to listen to me, but you got to listen to Sister Audrey, right? You got to listen to Sister Audrey Lord. To be in community does not mean we have to conform. Community does not mean conformity, right? And um, there are some speeches by Brene Brown where she talks about true belonging means you have to be able to be yourself. If you are in a group of people and you can't be yourself, if you can't bring your full authentic story to that group, then you don't really belong. And there's a difference between fitting in and belonging, right? So true belonging means that you bring all of yourself to that group or to that aspect. And so yes, um, community and unity are necessary for moving forward, but people think, people mistakenly believe that community and unity means we all tell the same story. We're all, you know, speaking the same narrative and we all agree with each other 100%. I said this on a podcast one time, Mixed Theory, so shout out to Mixed Theory, one of the many um, organizations and platforms working with mixed race people that I've been in contact with over the past year or so. And I said, I was saying in that conversation how, um, I actually forgot what I was about to say. Let's see if I can recall. Yeah, well, I think that's where that idea came from. My, my bad, y'all. Y'all know when you, you go off on a tangent and forget what you was about to say. But I remember in that conversation saying that unity does not mean conformity, right? Or that community does not mean conformity. Um, and so I think that's where we have to start because pretending like there is no division, pretending like there is no difference means we can't actually fix the problem, right? That's like if my, you know, plumbing bursts and I'm like, if I just don't talk about the fact that my house is flooding, then it won't be a problem. If I just pretend like 
my, you know, I didn't break my finger, then it'll go away. The problem will go away. And so that, I think that's not the right approach to unity. Unity requires that we look at where we're fractured, that we actually acknowledge where we are not united, that we look at and discuss and try to come to resolve and forgive, right? And be held accountable for the places where we have betrayed each other, for the places where there is inequality, even amongst black people, even amongst, you know, whatever ethnic or racial group you are a part of. So that's the pathway to unity is to say, where are we not united? We can't just pretend like we already are when we in fact really are not, right? Um, Marley Bob says, oh, mixed theory, you're trying to help me jog my memory. Yeah. So I remember talking about that on that platform, um, how the same, and even we talk about unity being telling the same narrative. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Um, in that conversation, I mentioned how I don't, I have zero expectations that I will agree with someone 100% of the time because I don't agree with myself 100% of the time. I change my mind all the time. I'm like, Sarah, you thought this a week ago and now you realize it's wrong. So we gonna course correct and be like, yes, the past Sarah from a week ago, from two months ago, from six years ago, she was wrong. So we don't agree with her anymore. We now know better, right? And so how can I expect other people who are not me to agree 100% of the time, right? I think we have to look at our expectations for community and for unity. And it's not like, oh, I disagree with you that one time, so we can't ever come together. We can't ever collaborate because we're not 100%, you know, like this all the time, right? There, We have to be able to allow for individuality and know that disagreements actually further the cause. If no one ever thinks differently than me, I want the world to think differently than me because there's a lot I don't know. So please have other ideas besides mine. The world would be very, very limited if we all thought like Sarah Webb, you know? I mean, I think I'm smart and have some interesting ideas, but my goodness, I can only do so much by myself. So we have to have that difference. That difference is a strength, right? That difference is a strength. Um, let's see. Any other comments or questions? Course corrects, excellence. Fitting in isn't belonging. 100%. Yeah, so fitting in, right? I'm going to pretend like colorism doesn't bother me because when I talk about how it bothers me, that bothers other people. <laughs> you know? Um, okay, so my last thing, if there are no other questions or thoughts, oh, it's two, two, two on the clock, perfect timing, is when we have compassion and forgiveness for ourselves, when we can tolerate our own imperfections, we are more comfortable tolerating it in the world around us, right? So a lot of times we fight and strive for people to be silent, to be quiet, because we do that to ourselves, right? So the way we treat ourselves is the way we show up in community a lot of times. And so we have to, A, when we're wrong, be able to, to acknowledge it and course correct um, and forgive ourselves, right? And then therefore learn to forgive somebody else if they didn't know yesterday what 
they now know today, right? Um, and that goes for, that goes for me too. <laughs> um, I don't like come on here because I think I'm the colorism guru, right? And that I have the final say on what colorism is and how it affects people. Um, and that's again, why I read the comments. That's why I'm bringing people on to talk. And I mentioned last week wanting to bring in Ruby Bakari because she's international. She's a South Asian woman living in the UK, right? And having that global perspective, like I can stand firm in my experience of colorism and still listen to someone else's experience of colorism. I can stand firm in my experiences of blackness. I can stand firm in my experiences and my understandings of being a woman and still listen to the stories of someone else. Right. Like that's the skill we have to develop to really be in community, to really have unity is to be able to say someone else's truth does not blot out my truth. Someone else's experience doesn't negate my experience. Right. And I think we'll experience less friction and less tension when we realize that. Because so often it's like if I say I like um, butter pecan ice cream and someone else is like, oh, I hate butter pecan ice cream. We feel like, well, how dare you not like what I like? Because that means it must not be good. Like, no, like you like that certain flavor of ice cream and it's still good to you. And someone else doesn't have to be like you to still be right, to still be true. You know what I mean? And so we, I, we see a lot of the same patterns that we call white people out for. We see a lot of those same patterns within ourselves, right? And that phrase, we're all black, when it's used to just gloss over colorism, when it's used to just kind of quiet the, quiet the situation down, when it's used to say, oh, just kumbaya, let's all hold hands and ignore our differences. Let you know, no, 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 we're all black. So we're all gonna have the same exact experiences. Let's not talk about difference, it's scary. You know what I mean? I think that actually weakens us, that weakens our cause. Um, another analogy, obviously I like talking in analogies. Another analogy would be for a football team or a sports team to pretend like their quarterback is not injured, right? Like, yes, our quarterback is injured, but we're just going to keep playing as if he's not, you know, we're just going to go on as usual with, and not acknowledge the fact that someone on our team is hurting. <laughs> and so colorism is that thing. Colorism is an injury. And we can't show up to fight against white supremacy without addressing where we're injured. We can't show up to fight racism if we're not looking at the injuries that we have. Folks, <laughs> um, I am Shanda Rule. It's like making music with other folks. We tolerate all the tension and friction as well as the harmony and it all works 100%. Are you a musician? Child, let us know if you're a musician and hook us up with some of your tracks. <laughs> um, but I'm not mature enough yet to make the We're All Black song. <laughs> the We're All Black song. Oh, goodness. That would be so funny. Um, Sienna says, it's funny that I come straight here after my Tuesday therapy sessions. And then these chats end up being therapeutic too. Belonging is my topic of discussion currently. Oh, see, serendipity. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe it's all meant to be, Sienna. I think the fact that, you know, you found the writing contest, you know, a couple of years ago and are still here today, I think it's all part of the plan, okay? Um, but yeah, belonging, the sense of belonging, we want to belong to 
the black race, right? And even, you know, some of my lighter skinned sisters and brothers say they feel like they don't belong anywhere. They don't belong, especially if they're mixed race and lighter skin. They feel they don't belong to either of their races or either of their, you know, families are particularly, they don't quite, you know, belong. Um, and part of that is because we confuse belonging with fitting in. And we, even as the communities think that in order to accept someone, they have to assimilate to who we are and how we act, right? Um, but if you can't be yourself in a group of people, you don't belong there, no matter how much you think you fit in with them, right? Belong. Um, okay, so my connection paused just for a second. Sorry. Got to get that Wi-Fi tuned up. <laughs> so that's my take on it, y'all. The we're all black thing. I think, A, final takeaways. A, we should stop saying we're all black as the panacea to colorism, okay? That's not going to solve colorism, just saying we're all black, okay? Acknowledge that intersectionality is not just something we demand from white women to acknowledge like us black folks have to acknowledge intersectional forms of oppression as well and colorism is definitely one i harp on a lot and true unity and community is not about conforming or assimilating to one pattern or to one narrative but it's about all of us being able to have our authentic experiences and our authentic truths and to bring those to the table yeah <laughs> So I'm not sure what I'm going to be talking about next week, but you'll see it on Sunday, on my Sunday post. Um, any final thoughts? Let me see. I talked about the contest. Anything else going on I need to talk about? I think that's it. I think that's it. I just, I just like talking to y'all. So that's why I'm lingering. I'm dragging it out. I'm dragging out the ending because I don't want to say goodbye. <laughs> it's so hard to say goodbye. <laughs> we got to get I Am Shanda Rule on here to sing because I'm not the one. <laughs> All right, let me stop clowning. Happy Mardi Gras to y'all. Stay warm. Love y'all very much. <laughs> Bye. Mwah, mwah. Thanks again for listening. Please remember to hit the like button and share this episode with a friend. I hope you can join us again for the next one.